Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. My name is Mel. I'm Janet. And I'm Helen. Hello, everyone. It is Mel from ABG. And on behalf of our team, we want to wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving. I think the older I get, I realize how important this time is to spend time with your loved ones, both your friends and your family. And for today's episode, it's a special one that we have shared previously. It's episode 91, where we dived into the people, places, and things that have left an impact on us. And as we spend this day with our family and reflect on the things we're grateful for, we hope that this episode also serves as a reminder for you to reflect on these special things, people and places that have impacted you as well. And again, we wish you all a happy Thanksgiving and hope today is full of love and gratefulness. People, places, and things. In the most simple and direct translation, they're simply the definition of a noun. But these nouns are what make up experiences, the many experiences throughout our lives that have shaped us into who we are today. From the people who left a lasting impact on us, the places that are painted with memories, to the inanimate objects that feel more living than not. All of these experiences have left a lasting impression on us for different reasons. In the Disney movie Inside Out, they touch on the topic of core memories. Core memories play a pivotal role in the film and are described as memories that feel more significant than regular memories. Core memories essentially shape your personality and define who you are today. Today, we'll be sharing our core memories, specifically the people, places, and things that have made an impact on our lives. All right, ladies, let's start off with people. Can you all name someone who has left a positive impact in your life? Whether it's career or, you know, in personal life, let's start with career first. Well, a few people come to mind. Um, definitely my sister, Annie. We both went to Boston College and she's two years older than me. And she chose the Carroll School of Management and chose accounting for her major. And because she was definitely like the good girl between the two of us and I didn't know at all what I wanted to do with my life, like she made my decision very easy by basically just following in her footsteps. So she definitely sort of set me on this path of uh, the career that I chose, which is in finance. And... um, I chose finance because I didn't want to exactly follow her footsteps with accounting. So I majored in finance and marketing instead and long winded road to sort of where we are now with ABG, but having worked in finance and in the corporate world for almost a decade, I I feel like I've learned so many skills that are in my eyes, absolutely necessary to running a business. Even if it's a, a podcast, even if it's, you know, to the listeners out there, this looks fun on the outside. 
Um, it, it, it is fun, but I think there's there's a lot that goes behind the scenes to make this engine work smoothly. And Annie having chosen her major sort of made me take that first step in what I think is the right decision for me in my previous career and in our current full-time jobs. And, and having that experience makes me feel good about the position that you know we're in today. So mm-hmm. thank you, Annie. I don't know if you listen to our podcast, but if you do, thank you. <laughs> And then in terms of people who actually impacted my career as I was in it, um, I, I wanted to mention, you know, one of my first, my first boss at, at EY, her name is Michelle, and she is just like an absolute superhuman. She has her MBA, she has her PhD in, in environmental chemistry, so that's like business and chemistry separately, wow. and she has her CFA, and she has like two or three kids, I forget how many, but she has a lot of kids, <laughs> and she has also done like multiple Ironmans. I don't know if you ladies have heard of what that is, but it's like a triathlon that involves swimming in the ocean, I believe believe um yeah. over a hundred miles of biking and then you run a marathon to end it it is one of the most difficult like active things that uh is out there <laughs> and she was always just like so approachable but also very formidable and well respected like she didn't take any shit from anyone like she would come into our bullpen and, and i think i mentioned this in the podcast before but she would say like mm-hmm. i need to leave at 4 p.m today to make my sock my son's soccer game so if you need me you can email me but i'm probably not going to answer um just letting you all know you know like thanks but she did it in a way where it was super relatable rather than like creating a distance because you can see how if someone were to approach you that way Mm. it might be like Mm. oh so you don't want to talk to me but no she was doing it in a way where it's like you can email me but I need to make sure I can balance my life and my work as much as I can to set an example for all of us Um, and she would hold these like weekly meetings just to check in with everyone on the team and I've been in a couple of different offices now and had experience with different teams there and I think that's the first time that I saw someone really make an effort to try and get the team to talk about what is going right or what are, what is going wrong and what they could be doing better. So mm-hmm. she really cared for mm-hmm. the people around her. And I think from, from her, what I learned was how to hold my ground, um, how important it was to vocalize your needs and not be walked over, because it is very easy to have that done to you when you're working in such a fast-paced and sort of tough environment, and how to like not only work hard but how to work smart. She was like one of the best examples that I'd ever seen in like my ten years within this company. She was definitely like the best partner leader that I'd ever had. So she's someone that I you know I wanted to emulate as I progressed in my own career. She sounds awesome. Is she still there? Yeah, yeah, she's still there. I think she's like the valuation leader for life sciences or something like that for the Americas now. So she has a good good role. I love her. She's awesome. For me, um, I this made me think um, about kind of a uh, my college experience because to be honest, like within my career, maybe because I've changed a lot of you know different directions, I haven't really had like a solid mentor figure. Um, but, uh, during my college years, there is one particular student organization advisor, um, who was named Tracy DeVee at UCSD, who really had an incredible impact on me. Um, and to kind of set up the situation, when I was a sophomore, I was recruited into this like alumni student ambassador organization where they have UCSD students, um, of all different varieties and backgrounds represent the student perspective at alumni events in hopes of like kind of fostering that relationship. Um, And it was an organization that was really big in the past, but it kind of died down. And then these upperclassmen who I had worked with in student government my first year, they revived it and they kind of, you know, recruited me. But at the time that I joined, I was like, I don't really know what this is, you know, whatever. 
And then they all ended up graduating the next year. And I kind of inherited this organization. Mm. And at the time I was like a junior and I was the president of, of this organization. And there was this pressure to really like the, you know, build it up to a highly reputable organization that would attract all different types of top students from various fields to represent our university against alumni for like funding and things like that. And I was just at this time, I also kind of was like, badly traumatized from an, another leadership experience in high school because in high school um, I uh, I was captain of the dance team the year that there were a bunch of budget cuts Ooh. and so midway through the year they cut all of our, our schooling system and in high school you aren't you're not just working with students you're also like a lot of parents are involved so that was just like like my very first kind of like big leadership role and I felt like it just totally like went to shit and I know in hindsight like as a student it's not really your fault and there's not much you can do Mm -hmm. but I felt so bad and so guilty and like I would go to my student advisor after school multiple days like crying and just being like I don't know what I'm supposed to do and you know all this kind of stuff so she was the first person that like that was like kind of my last you know (laughs) impression of like being in a leadership role and now it was like oh my god I'm here again Um, And I don't know any of this stuff. And I'm like, you know, how am I supposed to help make this work? And she was someone who just really, really, um, like, believed in me. And Mm -hmm. I think also because her personality, she was really good at her job, but also a lot softer. And was someone that kind of, like, you know, was always very optimistic and positive. And and because she was a little bit softer and had the leadership role that she kind of, like, demonstrated for me by example, if that Mm -hmm. made sense. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciated that because I think, you know, being – a, a female, B, younger, and C, you know, Asian. Like, you're kind of a minority in, all, in different respects yeah. in that kind of situation. So I, I know that, you know, if, especially when you're interacting with alumni and you're interacting with, like, you know, the heads of, like, provosts and different things like that, I know that they looked at me kind of as, like, is she going to be able to do this, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was through her support that by my senior year when we graduated, we were able to build it to a place where, Like, you know, we had like the top students from everyone applying. And I was that was the first time that I was like, wow, like I can be a leader, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and and that maybe my leadership style isn't the same as what is kind of like generally taught out there. Um, and I, and I feel like because of that, she has last, she has left a lasting impression. And to this day, she still sends like Christmas cards, postcards to my parents' house. Mm, That's so Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So she was, she's. And, and this is something where I was like, I feel like that's why like student advisors play such a critical role in like young adults and developing because this is prior to me having any type of career experience. And I can know for sure that like, you know, um, if it weren't for that one experience, like I wouldn't have felt maybe more confident in like at least considering other type of like leadership roles in my career. Mm. Dang. Wait, what is the organization called again, Janet? Uh, it was called COAST, Chancellor's Organization of Allied Students. I think by the time you were there, Mel, I'm not sure if they are still around. Mm. That's amazing to hear that you're able to grow it from like, I guess like nothing to something even greater. That sounds like, yeah, I can see why that's a, such a significant moment for you and that person, you know, left an impact. When I think about my career and like the people that left a lasting impact on my life, I think I mentioned this before, but I just can't help but think about the people at the Pacific Arts Movement. They're the people that put on the San Diego Asian Film Festival and I think of three people that come to my mind. It is Leanne Kim. She was the executive director at the time. And then Brian, who was still the programming director. My marketing director is Amy. And I think for me, being like a young college student, you know, being 20, I didn't really know much about the Asian American representation space. I knew about YouTube because I was 16 when I was like obsessed with like Wong Fu and everything. But 
You know, Leanne and Brian really opened the doors for me for Asian American representation through media. I think the thing they did really well was that they made me feel like I really mattered in this community and space. I think especially as an intern, you're like kind of there to like just do the job. But I think they they were really intentional with our meetings with interns, with the meetings with interns. Like, hey, you really matter in this. Like you can make a difference. And like this level of care and um, really just kind of like penetrated to my heart. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I just really wanted to make an impact in representation. And that's where my like, I guess my connection with this space really began at the age of 21. I think also I think about the time when like when I was 21, there was no Crazy Rich Asians. There was none of these films or like even shows that are coming up now, which is amazing. But all this, all the stuff we consumed back then were all independent films. So like that's where I, that's where I consumed everything. And they were they did such a great job of really caring about this festival and about the movement that I'm like, wow, I just like, there's so much heart and passion coming from that team that I just felt it. And when I think about Amy, she was my marketing director at the time. She was like the example of like a fun, really like good manager. She was the right balance of guidance and she gave me a lot of responsibility. And she actually cared about me as an individual. And I feel like I take so much of the feeling she gave me into my other jobs and even managing my own interns because I just like her, the level of care and like kind of um, investment she put in me, I just wanted to make her proud and I wanted to do such a good job. And I think to this day, I try to emulate that kind of management style she did. Um, so yeah, the, the team there at the time, like just left such a lasting impact on me. And whenever I see Leanne or, cause I don't see her as much cause I'm not in San Diego anymore. But when I saw Leanne last year at this event, when I saw her, I was like, oh my God, like I just can't help but feel like an overwhelming sense of like thankfulness and gratitude for her. Because she's a powerhouse Asian American woman too. You're like, damn, she has her shit together. Um, and she's still doing her part in the community, you know? And so those are the people that really left uh, a lasting impression in terms of my career. So it sounds like we've all had some amazing like female examples who have had really positive impacts in our lives. Um, now flipping it, can you ladies name someone who has left a negative impact on your life? There is one person that comes to mind when I think about like a negative impact or a negative experience with someone. Oh, we um, know who. Obviously things Just are different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys probably know. I share I share everything with you both. But there is a so, all right, let's go. Let's, let's talk story time. Um, so there's this one person that I met when I first moved to Los Angeles back in 2014, 2015. And at the time, I was still adjusting to a new life in LA and kind of figuring myself out, right? I feel like I was really young. I didn't know what I want, but I feel like I'm in a very transitional period. And this person was older than me, and I saw her as someone that I could potentially look up to, like as a mentor. You know, she helped me in a lot of different ways, you know, from giving me advice on personal stuff to like helping me a lot with work. So in a lot of ways, she was like, a, I guess, an older sister figure, right? But I think the more we got to know each other, I feel, I noticed that our personalities were quite different. You know, we like to do different things. She was really friendly, though. Like, I mean, we were, we aligned on a lot of things. We were also very different in other ways. Like, I'm pretty social, and you guys know that I enjoy going out to drink. And she did not like to drink. She doesn't like to party. And I feel like a, a lot of things happened between us, and we kind of eventually had a falling out. And she pretty much accused me of things and really judged my character and even said I was not a hard worker. And I think for me, like, that experience just left such a negative impact on me because, one, it was the first time my character was really questioned, especially from someone that you kind of looked up to. I don't know. I just, like, that feeling just, it's it's not, it's not a good feeling because you're, like, usually your mentor figure or a person is there to protect you, but someone comes attacking you, you're like, wait, what? Like, I did not expect this out of you. Mm -hmm. The second thing with that whole experience is that, you know, these accusations were not presented in the best way. You know, it came out at a left field for me and it didn't come from a place of care. 
I'm all about, you know, like being transparent and walking and talking through issues. You guys know we all three of us do this with each other. But it comes from a level of gen- like genuine like care and wanting the person to be better versus like, you suck. Why did you do that kind of um, kind of place? And I think the accusations came from that. I felt really attacked. I think for me, ultimately, I felt really ashamed because I I felt shamed because I enjoyed drinking. And I feel like I was suddenly suddenly labeled as someone bad. And this really threw me off, especially as someone trying to find their place in a new city. And I think in a lot of ways, like when we actually met and we started the podcast, I really, really value you both because I feel like we're very similar in the sense that like, hey, we like to work hard and play hard at the same time. But just because we play hard doesn't mean that we're like any less of a woman, any less of anyone else. And so I think having that like understanding with you two, it was like, dang, it kind of was like an, a, like an acknowledgement from my end. like, hey, I can enjoy this and still be great and still be cool. Like and be a good person like just because I like to drink and have a good time that doesn't mean I'm like a bad person and I see I think when I hung out with you guys I finally like kind of realized that for myself and like I feel like I had something to prove when I even started ABG I was like hey I can I can make an impact I can do stuff and still be me and still be 100% genuine Mel I think looking back at the situation you know obviously we kind of talked it out me and that person and we and she apologized acknowledged you know her mistake and you know, she said, you know, she wasn't in a good place where she said it. And like, I totally respect and understand um, where she's coming from. I'm pretty, I'm pretty forgiving. But at the same time, it's like really hard for me to 100% let go of a situation that kind of traumatized me because I was definitely in a very low place at the time and having someone kind of like bash you and especially someone older, it's kind of like, dude, I kind of expected more out of you. So yeah, I think that's someone that I just kind of like just a lasting impression. Mm-hmm. still um but that's that's my person i will acknowledge that sometimes people are going through rough things in their life and maybe sometimes even i i said things in the past that came from a place where i'm like i'm not good mentally right now or like i'm in a bad mood and i and i acknowledge that and so i think she did that as well so like we're all human and i get it um but i like i said like i I'll, I'll, I'll always forgive i'm always i'm pretty like forgiving but it's just really hard for me to 100 percent let go and forget about something so that's with everything and everyone. It's not a bad thing, but in the end, I still, I still like to look at the good versus the bad. But if I had to choose someone, mm-hmm. I would choose the situation in this person, you know? Yeah. So the question is more kind of, yeah, like some someone and a, an instance can have a negative impact on your life, but you can forgive that occurrence and you can forgive that person to move on, but still acknowledge that it did Happen. have an impact, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think like inevitably in anyone's lifetime, you're going to face people, a very specific type of person actually, that harbors so much negative energy. And you can tell in the way that they talk, whether it's about always about themselves or it's seeking out gossip or it's delving into conversation that clearly has like some ulterior motive or to your point, Mel, it's someone that generally just kind of puts you down Mm -hmm. in your situation. Um, I know even like a lot of our listeners out there, you can probably think about this like one type of person that you've encountered in your life in this moment, you know, for me, I, I won't name names, but I've definitely had these people in my life too. And they did have a negative impact on me, whether it was questioning my worth or my purpose or even my looks. I remember there was this one time I was matching Halloween costumes or something with these girls. And this one girl has said to me like, oh, I'm getting a size small. Should I get you a medium? And I was just like, bitch, we're the same size. And if not, I'm definitely at least like less long than you. Like she's taller than me and shit. So I was like, what? Like, why would you even say something like that? You know? Like, do you not have any social yeah, awareness? Mm-hmm. Um, but I I realize that these types of people need to put others down in order to bring themselves up. And it did affect me a lot in yeah. those moments um, until I made that realization that 
I have never walked in her shoes. I don't know what's going on in her life. I don't know what's happened in her life to make her such a negative person and to put so many people mm-hmm. down. And I can't control that. So instead, I learned at least to turn on my empathetic bone a little bit more towards these people mm-hmm. that were more negative, almost in like a, I feel kind of bad for you kind of way. So I'm not going to get angry, but I sure as hell am going to remove myself from being your friend. So a lot of people are going to come into your life and have a negative impact on you, but it's how much you put your value and your worth in their hands and how much you allow them to mm-hmm. control that, that I think is, is important to revisit and to figure out for yourself. Boo, toxic people. Yeah. Helen, I think that's a really great takeaway, though, is kind of playing off of the, you know, no matter someone's intention or whatever, like they still have, like they could have a negative impact, right? And you can recognize that. And one way to forgive or to help move along the forgiveness process is to to think about kind of their intention or what they might be going through. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is like, I feel like they're two separate things. Like you can forgive someone, but it can still, you can still admit that you were incredibly hurt by something or that you were like really angry at what happened to you. Mm -hmm. And this is, and actually that theme that you ladies are going off kind of goes on to my example too. This was after I had left my first kind of like, like corporate formal job at, um, after college. And I was going into this like kind of self exploration mode and obviously then was like very, very vulnerable and um, like very self-conscious and not sure like what I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a lot of like yeah. kind of um, a little, it was like kind of an internship that turned into a bit of like a freelance role at a social enterprise organization. And uh, once again, this is, this wasn't a person who had any malice, but I was, because I think of the headspace I was in, I was very much trying to figure out like, where do I fit in this world, you know? And um, and this guy was a much older guy. One, He was one of the, like, kind of the founders and the owners of the organization and had been, like, a serial entrepreneur and works with a lot of entrepreneurs. And is, like, a grandpa-type figure. Like, so so sweet, so great, you know? Um, and I remember at the end of our kind of, like, event thing that we all did, we all went out and grabbed, like, food and drinks. And we were talking very casually, and it was actually very, like... It was much more almost like of a mentor feedback type conversation where I was talking about how I'm trying to figure out what I want to do next. And in the world of like, in this world, there's like so many different roles you can play, right? There is like the entrepreneur or uh, if you're maybe someone who is more like interested in in the investing investing side, you know, you would work with an organization that does like maybe venture funding or or seed funding. Um, Or, you know, would you rather be kind of like maybe working in a nonprofit or like government role? So we were just talking about this and he and he had every good intention of trying to kind of help me where I best fit in. Um, but when in, in trying to describe my work, he was like, you just make everything work a lot better. But I can't quite see you as like an entrepreneur, right? And I, I knew and he didn't word it that way, but it was more kind of like, I think the idea, especially in San Francisco of that time of what an entrepreneur is, is someone who's like falls into a certain personality archetype, right? And I know he had no bad mm-hmm. intention. It wasn't meant to be an insult. He was genuinely trying to help me figure out like what, where I would fit. But that one comment made me like, oh, okay, I should X that out of my wheelhouse. Like I'm not meant to be someone who ever starts anything. Like I just don't have what it takes. So yeah, to that, I think that after that, that kind of like left an impression. And even as we were going through doing ABG stuff last year, when I was like seeing my therapist regularly, I talked to her about this, this uh, situation. And I was not aware of how much that actually impacted me. Because when we were talking through our mm-hmm. stuff, I was like, yeah, you know, but like, I don't, I'm not really like an entrepreneur type. Like, I don't have a desire. She's like, why would you say that? You know, like, what, what makes you, what makes you think that? Um, and kind of digging deeper into that made me realize, okay, you know, like, maybe I shouldn't be so impressionable to one person's observation. And especially when it could have been taken out of context. 
Um, so once again, it's like, yeah. not, a, not that the person was you know bad or did anything, but how that experience could still impact you deeply and how you think about yourself. Right. Yeah. No, I, dang, I totally, I, I totally see how that would like, leave an impression. Like, well, look at you <laughs> now, Janet, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're CEO of a company. Um, but I think you bring up a good point. Cause I think you mentioned this earlier, but when you're younger too, I'm not saying all young people are like this. I don't want to generalize, but I thought when I was younger, it seems like you're also like your early twenties. It's easy for you to be more impressionable towards to what people think of you because yeah. I totally felt that way when I was younger. I was like, oh, I took what they said as fact of who I was. I'm like, why did I? Why did I think that way though? Oh, yeah. But I think is that when you're in your 20s or early 20s, you're trying to build up your self confidence. You're kind of like figuring out who you are, and when you don't have that, someone who's older and has more experience for you, you'll take their opinion as your exactly. own fact. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, nowadays, if the, this kind of feedback or these experiences were happening to us now, all three of us have been like, uh, no, no, thank you. You're wrong. Uh, but thank you so much for your opinion and bye. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, too, I feel like that almost fuels them to be like, I'm going to prove you wrong, you know? Like, and now you are proving them wrong. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But to, to what Mel was saying, that's so true. Like, anytime you see someone who's, like, more successful than you and older than you and someone who probably has their shit together or seemingly does from the outside – you kind of just, you know, take what they say at face value. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know why this is like a weird uh, tangent, but I think about just like social media and the impact it has on on like teenagers these days and how mm-hmm. they're seeing, you know, older people and like quote unquote influencers and what they're doing with their lives and how much that influences their own, you know, view of their physical and mental state. And it worries me. It worries mm-hmm. me that that's sort of their like older sister, everyone on the internet, which might not be, a great thing, you know. Asian yeah. boss girl, though, yeah. is a great sister. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, it, it just made me, like, go down that. I'm just thinking about that now. Yeah. No, that's oh, a really, really sad. That is a really good point, Helen. And I think – and that that is something that we – we take very seriously with at AVG, right? You're like, you're kind of joking by saying like, oh, but Asian boss girl is fine. But it is true. I think we're all three of us are very aware of like the significance of of the role that, you know, being someone who is present in new media, like there is a sense of mm-hmm. responsibility that comes with that, right? I feel like today's landscape is it's so much easier to, to have potential negative influence from people. <laughs> in the context of people within our people, places and things, who is someone that you always think about? This one was actually kind of hard for me to answer because I was like, oh, I guess I could say like family or friends, you know, but I'm like, okay, let me dig a little deeper for a juicy answer. Ooh, <laughs> we love hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't say that I always think about him, but I think because Ooh, it's my a mind. Him. Him. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you ladies know this. Like my mind, more recently in the last like year, has been pretty focused on wanting to find a life partner, right? Um, and so I have been kind of thinking back more in that kind of like you know, that context of of people in my life. And to this day, and this wasn't even a person I had significant any relationship with or, you know, it was a very short connection. Uh, But there was a guy years ago who I had connected with on Tinder. And we realized that we actually grew up a couple of blocks away from each other. And we went to the same elementary school, junior high, and we had a lot of like childhood friends in common. Um, And we went on one date and then he just kind of fell off. And years later, I had reached out Um, just like through text or through Facebook Messenger or something. And I asked, you know, like, what happened? And he said, oh, I just decided that we'd be better off as friends, right? So it it didn't work out. And we had a very – it was like a super brief, like, two-week interaction that we were texting or whatever. But the reason why that kind of dynamic, like, I often think about is because 
I think that interaction was really important in helping me realize how much I could feel connected to someone Mm -hmm. when we have similar upbringing. Um, And I talk a lot about this in terms of like, you know, I think about like, it'd be great to date like a Chinese guy or an Asian person to like understand my background. But then there's also the part of me that's like open to kind of like Caucasian guys, right? And then because my upbringing is kind of, and and all of our upbringings as Asian Americans are so dynamic Mm -hmm. and different, but because I grew up in Orange County too, and he had that upbringing, I think that there was just like, we had similar kind of like Asian American understanding of the culture and similar maybe like perspectives. So I think because the partner thing is on my mind and the culture thing is on my mind, that that is just someone that I I kind of often think back Mm -hmm. now to. Is he on your diagram? Yeah, who is he? He's not. No, no, no. Because we this is that we didn't even. It was like a two week conversation. So that's the thing. Is like this isn't even someone I've had a relationship with, but it's someone I think about because that interaction triggered like certain values for me, right? And an understanding yeah. of what's important and what's unique. Do you know where he is now? If he's dating anyone? Yeah, I think he's like probably gonna be married soon. So uh-huh. <laughs> hopefully he's not listening to this. I don't think he listens to. <laughs> but thank you for making me realize things. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's interesting that you mentioned him as a person that you think about, you know, pretty frequently, though, because if he had such little time in your life, but made such, mm-hmm. a, such a big impact for you to realize what it is that you want, mm-hmm. like, out of your, like, love life. And that's that's pretty incredible to think about, actually, how much someone can have an impact yeah. on you without you realizing. Without even really having a significant interaction mm-hmm. with them, right? Just, like, a small moment. Kind of like we said, like, with people having negative impacts also, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't – it could be a total stranger, mm-hmm. And no bad intention, but it could leave an impact. Oof. Wow. Oof. That is a movie <laughs> waiting to happen. I know. I know, right? oh, dude. I want to watch this movie. I'm like, I'm actually surprised, Janet. I really want to learn more about this and hear more about it. <laughs> so a few people came to mind when I think about, like, who do you always think about? I, I had the same thing. Where I'm like, is it a family member? What I, like, or is it someone, like, someone in my past? There's some of my past I do think about, but I don't want to bring that one up. Why? Why? Who? 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say one statement and move on just to be, you know, okay. I, I will okay, say this. I am the type of person that it's really hard for me to move on from a significant person, like romantically, unless I'm in a new relationship. So, and of course, being single, that person will kind of be on my mind from time to time. Like, oh, how's he doing? Or like, you know, you always think about, like, I wonder if he thinks about me sometimes, you know, but then. Got it. I know. Who yes. But when. <laughs> exactly. I think I know too. So, but then my thing is like once, I don't want to have that thought. So I'm just like. No, I don't want to think about you. Um, <laughs> so the person that came to mind when I actually dug a little deeper, um, I thought about who I actually interact with the most. And because for me, it's like if I, if I interact with you the most because I'm always thinking about you and I want to talk with you. And the one person besides you two <laughs> that I, I kind of talk, talk to a lot is Justin Rod, Rajanya Panyakul from the J-Rod Twins. Mm. And he's someone I literally call probably two to three times a week. And we're all constantly texting or DMing. And he's someone I share everything with. And he probably has became, become one of my really good friends in LA. I think a lot about him because we've been through so much together. I really care about him as a friend. To give you guys context, Justin and I actually met back when I started producing, freelance producing for the first time and going on tour. So Justin and I experienced touring together for the first time. So both this, these experiences were new and, and we're on the same age. We're just like, oh my God, I can't believe we're touring. I can't believe we're traveling together. So I think that's a precious memory in itself that we can always talk to or talk about when we're, we're together. I just find Justin to be so precious as a friend. And the way, the reason why I say that is because I feel like he's a rare being. And you guys know that. Like, 
And when I'm with him, it's like all the care and concern and anxiety I usually have just goes away. And I always feel like at peace when I'm with him. And I always say like, Justin, you're like my escape sometimes. And I think it's because if you know him and you're around him, his presence is kind of magical in a sense that like, he's so carefree, so much fun and just like has kind of like this like a sense of ease to life. And you're like, damn, if people like thought to live the way you do, like there won't be no concern in the world. That's how I feel that I'm with him. And he's just so present for me as a friend. I just really, really value him and just love him so much. So he's someone I always think about and care about. And like, yeah, he's someone I talk to all the time. So I think Justin's someone I would say I think about all the time in a non-romantic way. <laughs> well, he also has our coming out story, episode 66 and episode 68. So that's why there can be no romance there. But <laughs> yeah, it's funny because there are times I'm with Justin. I'm just like, Justin, cuddle with me. He's like, uh, no, I don't go that way. He's like, that's gross. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> no, but honestly, like ever since moving to LA too, like he is someone that I think has just such – we talked about negative energy before, and he is someone that radiates positive energy in, like, no matter what situation. I feel like if, even if there's negativity, he will find a way to make a positive spin on it. Mm-hmm. He is, yeah, he is a very precious being. So I could totally see where you're coming from when you say that, Mel. Yeah. You texting him now? I hear you typing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least said, talking about you on the pod. <laughs> Is Helen's answer to be Phil? You know Helen's answer is to be Phil, right? <laughs> I think, um, like you ladies, I'm also not the type of person that sort of like longs to be in touch with someone that I've not already taken some action to be close with already. So there isn't someone that I'm always thinking about that isn't already in my life. But I do think about my my parents, my family in Boston a lot, um, Philip, you ladies, close friends. I think I'm always trying to to think of ways to like make life easier or happier for people that are close to me, whether it's planning birthdays or planning Mm. stuff. Like I don't love to plan things, but I do it because I love my people and I love when we can have a shared experience. So people that I'm constantly thinking about and for, I think are people that I do really much care about and they take up the most mental space in my mind. And yeah, definitely like Mel, you, I mean, you call it like Philip for him. I see how busy he is and it makes me happy if I can actually alleviate some of the stress from his day. Um, and he does the same for me too. So it's like a mutual thing whenever we have time to, um, but I'm always, always thinking about, even if it's like, you know, I'll bring the mail to your, to your table and like little, little things that, um, I'm always trying to think ahead for, for him to make it easier for him. Oh, that's so sweet. Sorry. It's like a, it's like a cop-out answer, but. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I think that it's, I mean, like it, what I learned from this is like that your true focus and your value is to really take care of the people around you. Right. And obviously we know that because you're a friend, but to hear you really strongly articulate that. Um, and also just demonstrate that like all the time right like I so appreciate both of you ladies like for my birthday being able to plan something and I see this repeatedly with people in our group that you guys are so um, mm-hmm. action oriented with that Sorry, I think all the episodes um, always end I up with really I love important. you both yeah. so much <laughs> damn we only hit people y'all right. well okay well, we got, place- on. <laughs> we we got places okay. and things left <laughs> Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. 
Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. And our next subject is places. So what is a place that brings back your childhood memories? Helen, do you want to start us off? Sure. Okay. This is going to be a little bit of a cop-out answer, but anytime I go back to Boston, there are so many memories that come flooding back in. I think when you move from one location to another, the sense of distance highlights the idea that the location you move from is now a place that holds memories rather than being a location in your present state, right? Mm -hmm. I like to see each location that I've lived in as sort of a capsule of a moment in time. So whenever I'm on a plane, usually as a red eye, flying into Boston with the sun rising in the east, which is one thing that I really miss about Boston, the beautiful sunrises, I get this rush of like excitedness to return back to this time capsule. Like my dad will pick me up from the airport and on our ride from Logan Airport to my sister's place in Quincy, I'm just like always looking at the skyscrapers and I'm thinking, whoa, I used to play volleyball in that parking lot where there's now a skyscraper. Or whoa, the Greater Boston Food Bank is still visible on the highway. And I get this rush of like memories of when I volunteered there at Boston College and then at EY again for our EY Connect Day or Volunteer Day. So it's exciting to see things change, places change, to see progress made in my city. But it's also very comforting to see sameness, whatever, I return back home. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess it's a little bit of a cop-out to say home reminds me of my childhood. But I think the distance creates that to be more of a memory than just a location. Yeah, that's a really good point is like, because you spent so much time there and it's a place that you go back to every so often. It's really interesting that you say that, Helen, because like, there's your home that you spent so much time in during your childhood and then you come back periodically. So it sounds like to me, it's like you're looking at the same place and every time you come back, you're getting new memories. So it's not it's not like a place that is always bringing mm-hmm. back the same memories, but you're having this like layered effect of different memories, that kind of same location that brings up. So that's really cool. I never thought, I didn't think about this question in that way. I think for me, I I thought pretty automatically of um, the kind of like parking lots of Chinese plazas in the 626 area. Um, I, I used to, so I grew up in Orange County, but every Saturday we would drive up to like Roland Heights area and have uh, either dim sum, lunch, or dinner with um, my family. With So with my cousins and my aunts and my uncles. And there was just so many hours spent in these plazas. Uh, where, you know, like the kids would finish eating pretty quickly and then we would either play around in the restaurant or like run outside and then, you know, play hide and seek in the, in the plaza or do different things like that. Um, and then, and specifically there's like Diamond Plaza in Roland Heights, um, that is still around now. And I spent a lot of my, like, I think junior high, high school years in, in that plaza. (laughs) So for me, that's a place that holds a lot of nostalgia. How about you, Mel? Um, I wrote down two answers, but I will say one. Um, it also has the word home in it. A place that brings out childhood memories for me is Hometown Buffet oh. in Union City. I was like, it's either Home Goods or Hometown yeah. Buffet. Which one is it? 
Okay. I just have so many. I think my family really loves buffets. And we go to Hometown Buffet all the time because it's actually right in Union City. It's so close to us. And I have a lot of memories of, like, my parents lying about my age <laughs> to get, like, a discount <laughs> of, like, yep. the meals. Yep. Right? And eating and eating with my fam. And then, like, even, like, the food. Like, going to the dessert area, there's, like, they have a certain carrot cake they always have there. And the carving stations. And, like, I have memories of – this is just so specific – but, you know, my grandma, like, literally, she'll always get the fried chicken. There are moments when after we're done eating, we go home, and my grandma goes, oh, Melody, and she'll tag me. And I was like, what? She wrapped fried chicken to go in napkin, <laughs> and it put it in her purse. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. You literally stole fried chicken from Hometown Buffet. <laughs> so I have these, like, funny little memories from Hometown Buffet, especially with my grandparents. So I remember there's one time in elementary school, I was, it was, like, summer break, and my grandma goes, what do you want to eat for lunch? And usually, you know, my grandma likes to home cook like Chinese soup, but she's like, you want to walk to Hometown Buffet and grab lunch with me? And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know we could do that. Like for lunch, you know, I don't know. And my grandma like didn't really know how to speak English. So like I had to like lead her and like pay for the meal. And I remember we're finished eating. She was like, I was like, oh, grandma, should we leave? She was like, no, no, no. Take your time. We have so much time to eat. So she was like <laughs> wanting me to hang out with her there so we could eat more food. So I thought like that was just like very precious and very cute. Aww. So yeah, Hometown Buffet is a very childhood memory like spot for me so random interesting (laughs) here that's cute so you've talked about places that bring us back to our childhood memories outside of childhood maybe thinking about the breadth of every other period of your life what is a place that holds strong significance to you and why so for me um there's a place in taipei in um tiamu to be to be exact katakashi maya mall and this is the, literally the local family mall that I would go with my grandparents. So I feel like a lot of my strong memories are of my grandparents and my grandma. And they have the best food court, by the way. And I think Helen, I brought you there when we were in Taiwan. Oh, yeah. And I just have it's so good. many. Yeah. yeah. Like literally you walk in, you're like, oh, my God, where do I even begin? There's like 20 like food vendors. And I have so many memories eating there with my whole family. Like when we go back to Taiwan and even just like one-on-one time with my grandparents. That's something I don't get a lot, but I have really distinct memories, like eating at the tempanyaki place with my grandpa and trying to hold a conversation because my mandarin sucked, things like that. But then I think as a child or just in general, like I have memories with my grandma where we literally eat and then we'll circle to different floors and walk around. And afterwards, we'll share an ice cream from this vendor. And I always remember like there are, I'll, I'll always remember that on the first floor, there's this big fish tank. And as a child, I was like love to run to the fish tank and see the people like feed the fish so now when I go back, because I'm all still there, I see kids run around and go to the fish tank. They are, they're so excited. And I'm just like, man, I've definitely grown up. But to see people, like, see children still so excited to see this just brings me back memories of when I used to go with my family. So Takashi Maya Mall in Taiwan is a place that I always mm. hold very dear to my heart. Mm. Restaurants and parking lots. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Right. hometown buffet yeah. actually <laughs> you know both of yours have been uh restaurants yeah like kind of really. yeah. yeah you're right that's true well how about you helen um a place that holds strong significance i would say is my childhood home like a super freaking significant i lived there for 18 years or so so more than half my life Ooh. And it was right up until I moved away for college that I no longer, you know, lived there. And honestly, there's no other place on earth that just means so much to me. Um, it represents the most time I'd ever had with my family and will probably ever mm-hmm. have with my family for a, a more a consistent period of time. Um, I mean, if you think about it, now that we've all moved out of home, 
we only see our parents at most. Jay, I know for you, like once a week, right? And for me, it's like twice a year now. And I'm huge on family. So Mm -hmm. for anyone that's listening right now that lives at home that wants to get out, I mean, see it as like a blessing that you're so close to your family too, you know? Um, But my childhood home, I think it also represented sort of this like way of living that I think really developed my perspective of the world. Um, I mentioned on the podcast before that, you know, my family, we didn't have a lot growing up and growing up where I did. I think I gained this perspective that not having a lot is okay. Like not having a large luxurious home, not having the coolest toys, not having all the ballet and piano lessons that money could buy. That is okay. As long as you can have the intangibles, which is a loving, warm and happy home. Like that stuff you can't buy. And that to me is like number one family and having a happy home. So my childhood home definitely brings a lot of significance for me in in many ways. And then also like within this past year, I've been having these like very visceral dreams that take place in my childhood home, like in our apartment, mm. which is weird that it's happening at this age and it didn't happen like more like closer to, you know, when I when I left, um, left that apartment. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's because I'm moving on to getting married mm. and hopefully crossing my fingers, having a family soon. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I have like these super random dreams where just like things take place within that small space. Mm. Um, but it does hold a lot of significance for me. Mm. I wonder if it's because your subconscious now you are thinking a lot about family. So you're probably recalling back to, mm-hmm. you know, even like what you just explained to us, like having to process that and realize that that's what you value. I think you're probably recalling a lot to your own childhood. Yeah. yeah. I think there was a time when you ladies were also, we were just hanging out in our living room and we were just like drinking beer or something. And I was like, wait, that hallway, that's my hallway. Like we're in our childhood home, but it looks like a little bit different, you know? And it's it's just like the layout is the same, but the mm. rooms look a little mm-hmm. bit different. So it's, yeah, it gets kind of crazy. Mm. How about for you, Jay? What is a place that holds significance for you? Um, so I didn't really know how to, to if there's like a name for this place uh but i said behind my eyelids when i meditate <laughs> 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 <And> it's not <laughs> i love it i love it i guess to, to kind of <laughs> no it's like so hiding behind it's not her like a literal right place i guess it's like <laughs> more like a state of mind is the place um but i, I choose it. that because because it's like i feel like the goal when you meditate uh, at least for me in the way that I've been taught and what I try to focus on is to to get out of my own ego, right? So to, to figure out that there is there are emotions and there are thoughts and that I am separate from that. So to not be so wrapped up in my own head. It's not that I feel more peace when I'm at this place because honestly, sometimes I have very like frustrating meditation sessions. But oftentimes when during my meditation sessions or after, I feel like I do gain clarity on things that matter. Like, even if it was a stressful Mm -hmm. meditation or whatever, like, if there was something that I was grappling with or couldn't decide on, somehow the decision is, like, very simple, like, um, or, like, the answer will come to me in in the session. So um, that place, that state of mind is significant to me because I just, it's like, if I could choose, I would love to operate in the world generally without having to, like, or being out of my own ego and just kind of being able to focus on on that Mm. state. So, yes. Behind my eyelids when I meditate. <laughs> That's a quotable moment right there. Like, okay, well, if you had to say a physical place right now, where would it be? I would say I would say San Francisco. Mm. Uh, like probably particularly the South of Market area because I spent not a lot of time there, like a couple of years, three to four years. But I feel like that those the years that I was there, 
are very formative, right? Early to mid-20s I spent there. Um, and I would say that those were, yeah, very heavy growth years. I like both places. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like the place between behind your eyes, too. Let's yeah. go there, Mel. <laughs> Okay, Janet, can you open your eyeballs? Or oh, my God. We'll try to get in there. Come on in. <laughs> if I had to choose, I would live in loungewear 24-7, which I kind of do already. If you look at my closet, it'll become very apparent that my style is comfortable yet stylish, or that's what I like to think. It's no surprise that a lot of my pieces are from Naywai, a designer lingerie and loungewear brand that puts comfort first without sacrificing style. They use premium fabrics and unique designs for their pieces, which allows us to feel free. They're not just made to be worn, they're made to live in, which is exactly what I'm all about. Their most popular line is their Barely Zero Collection. It's a series of bras and briefs made of a highly elastic soft fabric blend called Cloudfit. These adaptable sized bras and briefs offer the support of a traditional bra, but with much more comfort. I'm actually wearing their Black Spaghetti Strap Wireless one right now, and it's ridiculously comfortable. Plus, Barely Zero Collection fits cup sizes from A to double D, and curved version for cup size C to triple D to remove frustration for holiday shopping and is the best gift of the season. Nayway also has lounger, which you know I hopped on real quick. The three of us from ABG all have items from this collection and share our love for them. Honestly, can't get enough of their pieces. I highly recommend you all try Nayway for yourself. We're offering our listeners 20% off your first Nayway order with code ABG. Go to nayway.us slash asianbossgirl and use code ABG to get 20% off. Hi ABG listeners, it's Stephanie. So I have naturally very straight and sleek hair, and I recently got a digital perm. I'm loving this new look, and now I'm being extra particular with hair products so I make sure it lasts. Thanks to Pros, I know I'm getting the best care possible. Pros makes custom hair care that's effective because it's personal. First, Pros starts by asking about you as a person with their in-depth consultation. They ask me really unexpected things, like stress level and my zip code, as well as made a distinction between my natural versus texture-treated hair. Super important. Next, Pros analyzed all my answers and determined what unique blend of ingredients should be in my custom routine. In addition to shampoo and conditioner, they sent me curl cream, and my hair has never been so shiny and full of volume. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your order today. Go to pros.com abg. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash A-B-G for your free in-depth consultation and 15% off. So moving on to things of our people, places, and things, what is one object that means a lot to you? Mm, okay, my answer for this is my contact lenses and the reason why i say this is because my eyesight is so bad like i am seriously almost legally blind um so my glasses are really really thick and they're hard to wear for long durations so if i did not have contact lenses i would be pretty fucking miserable so that that's my object you really love eyes. Sorry. I <laughs> maybe eyes, maybe know? I like them because I like because I am envious of those who have like more pure vision. Like it, it is a big focus point for me. <laughs> How about for you, Mel? I put down my jade bracelet that I always wear. So you guys seen that I, I wear a jade bracelet on my left arm. It's the one thing that I kept from my grandma ever since she passed away. I think people always assume that I had this since I was born, but I only started wearing it when my grandma was going through cancer ten years ago. And for me, I wanted something I could have and wear every day to feel like she's always with me. Mm. You know, there's so many times like I'm going through something or a conflict or even on a flight and there's like turbulence. 
I automatically grab my brace and pray to my grandma to keep me safe. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going through a conflict or like kind of like a troubled time, there are so many moments where I feel really low. Like the automatic thought for me to do is like to close my eyes and pray to my grandma and, and ask her to please lead me to the place I'm supposed to be, even if the moment hurts. Like if the pain I'm feeling now sucks, knowing that like she's leading me to the place where I need to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say my jade bracelet that I wear. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. It's a beautiful bracelet, by the way. Thanks. I think for me, I would say um, my baby blanket, <laughs> which funny enough, I still sleep with to this day. It's literally the blanket that I came home with from birth. It's pink. Oh, wow. It's pretty beat up, but it has this like cooling fabric on the edges. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say that I still seek it out in the middle of the night. Um, it, it's something that's been with me forever. It's, you know, soaked up my tears. It's given me warmth. It's given me a sense of, like, familiarity when I moved from Boston to L.A. And it is a tangible, inanimate object that's comforted me whenever I needed it the most. Mm. So my baby blanket, which my mom, I think, tried to throw away at one point. (laughs) But I might have picked it out of the trash can and said, no, (gasps) how dare you? And I washed it and I still have it now. (laughs) Well, you really still have it right now in L.A.? Yeah, it's in the bed I sleep with the Philippine. (laughs) <laughs> just you phil and the blanket <laughs> have you named it um so in i don't know why it's called this i don't even know what this means but in in toysanese it's like gg pate and i don't i don't know what gg means but isn't oh. that penis so i don't think it's penis but <laughs> it is in mandarin because <laughs> i think yeah my, i think my mom had named it my gg pate I don't know. Someone who whoever knows Toys and better than and maybe I should ask my mom. I'll ask my mom. <laughs> That's super cute. That is very cute. Actually, um, because growing up too, Helen, I had a blanket, but my grandma literally threw mine away and I was like devastated. So I'm happy to hear that you have your blanket still. I also I also have my I think my mom still has it kept in one of our closets. Oh, oh we should that is so I'll cute. Cuddle with it. It's interesting to me that you both have uh yeah, like objects that kind of you both gave examples of like uh seeking comfort from from your object whether it was a bracelet or the other blanket and I think my my answer of contact lenses sounded a little trivial but I often think about how like if I were to have you know lived in another decade where when contact lenses were not available like seriously I I would be like really handicapped um so super super feeling blessed for the invention of contact lenses I actually always think about like before glasses were even invented there must have been people that had bad eyesight or just born with bad eyesight right it's not it's probably been progressed I guess because of technology and how much screen time we get but at the end of the day it's like there were some people back then that couldn't see shit and they were just walking around like this is the world this is what it looks like like it's crazy to think about yeah so our next question is is there something that one person might see as trash but you see as treasure (laughs) okay I have an answer for this um leftovers girl that's that that is gold i love leftovers. okay honestly i think when i worked uh in corporate and finance and had no concept of the hour of my day because it was basically you get home and you continue working i ordered lunch and dinner every single day and i would throw out so much food and i think because of quarantine we've been cooking almost every day like six Mm. to seven times a week now even if it's like i have three bites of something left over it's kind of embarrassing when other people are around and you do this, but even if I have like three bites of say beef and broccoli left, like there's so much flavor within those three bites. Yeah. And if yeah. you mix mix that with like old rice, add some veggies, add an egg, that's a whole new fried rice dish, right? Yeah. So 
yeah, leftovers are like my thing nowadays. And it's definitely some people's trash. I actually have one more random one. I'm going to fit in here real quick. Shopping bags. Mm. I used to save shopping bags a lot for absolutely no reason at all. But I think actually I did that prior to this whole like reusable bag movement. So now we, we have our abg tote right reusable bags asianbossgirl.myshopify.com hey hit it up (laughs) for that tote but i have like a but like if you look at my closet i have a lot of random shopping bags that i'm not doing anything with so that is definitely some people's trash and my treasure Mm. i think the shopping bags i also i had i used to have a habit of as well my answer for this one i'm gonna say uh magazine pages and i know they're not necessarily Mm. trash for like everyone but usually i think it's like after you read a magazine you kind of toss it um but i i really love like collaging so i still have like old old super old like issues of like vogue or other kind of like fashion magazines that i keep around almost as kind of like my craft pile um, cause I think that just like fashion photography is beautiful. So yeah. yeah, but it is still paper and people would, you know, recycle that shit. And I'm like, Dang. give it to me. <laughs> it ain't shit. It's treasure. Yes. <laughs> you guys have really good answers for this one. It was kind of hard for me to decide on one thing, but I put my stuffed dog cause it's a little, it's kind of like ratty a little bit. Not mm. like the fur is like kind of clumpy now cause I had it since I was a child. It's kind of like, um, Helen's Benny dog. Oh but yeah. Hey, it's not rad, ratty, whatever (laughs) word you use. It's in perfect condition as is. Yes, but there's so many times where, like, my mom would come visit me or go home. Sometimes I bring my dog back. I had it since I I brought it to college too, and she was like, "Ugh, that's so dirty." She's like, "You have to wash it." Like, do you want me to? You should donate it. I'm like, Mm. "No, you're not. not, You're not not donating my freaking dog. There's no way. Like, it's my no. It's just I I cuddle with it every single night, and I think Mm. for me, I'm very influenced by Toy Story." And all these dolls are, like, real, like, people with, like, feelings and stuff. And so I always think about, like, my dog, like, always looking forward to sleep with me at night. So I'm just like, can't throw this away. It's literally my, like, my pet. I feel you. you. Benny sleeps in the same bed as my blanket and Philip. Oh, so (laughs) Phil kind of four of you in there. (laughs) It's Phil, like, goddamn. I feel like he's always moving the dog, like, over to my side, like, the head of my side of the bed. And sometimes it falls behind the bed. I'm just like, hello, there's it's dirty back there. Stop putting it top of the bed. Oh, oh it's so cute. <laughs> we should have pet pet dates with our stuffed animals or something. Aww. Pet pet and blanket dates. Oh. I'm down. In the back of eyelid dates. In the, yeah. <laughs> okay, so speaking of objects... Um, what is one thing that you would like to pass down to your children? So we all know we're going to be passing down some of our genes, or maybe we're thinking about other values, but what about like uh, an inanimate object that you'd like to pass down to your children? All right, so for me, uh, it's another jade object. Mm. Relates to my grandma again. So my grandma has this jade ring that I absolutely adore, and it's something she always wore on her day-to-day and my grandma to be honest she didn't grow up really wealthy or anything but I want to say this ring's either given to her by her dad or she bought it herself one of those things it's just such a it's like a very clear object of my grandma like everyone knew that this is my grandma's ring and so it got passed down to my mom and I'm hoping it gets passed down to me and I'd love to pass it down to like my daughter or my child but like that is just like another object of my grandma because she wore it since I was a kid like a baby not like versus this jade bracelet it's a little more like she probably got it later in her life but this ring has been there since she's probably in her 20s or 30s and I want it to so I would pass down this jade ring if it gets passed down to me, though. So that is the object I would want. 
I think similar to Mel. So uh, during the Chinese tea ceremony, which I will be having soon for the wedding, um, that's when the bride and groom sort of pays respect to their elders, parents, you know, aunties, uncles, grandparents by pouring them tea. And in exchange, you get money or gold. Um, and I remember when I was like 12 or so, my mom and I went to our bank vault and she showed me the jewelry that she had saved for me for when I'd get married. And it's, it's been in that vault for a long period of time. And she'll periodically just go in there just to check to make sure that it's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember seeing it and I was just like, whoa, that's going to be mine one day. And it's kind of crazy to think about that this day is going to be coming up very soon. And yeah. I think for me, that's why I hold this like Chinese tea ceremony thing very dear to me because like the wedding day is going to be a day for celebration of friends and family and fun and all of that. But like this is a day that my mom's been looking forward to since like she came to America and she opened up that bank vault, right, yeah. to put her her stuff in there. So mm-hmm. I, that is something that I want to hold on to and also um, pass down to my kids in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that I have right now, but it's something I want to pass down to my children in the future. And I think also like I, I don't know if this is like an Americanized thing, but like having trinkets, like bracelets with trinkets on it. Mm-hmm. I've always thought about like I want to be the first one to start a bracelet that has a I add a trinket and then my my kid adds a trinket and mm. they keep adding trinkets. And so each little trinket has a story based on who added it and oh, why. Oh, that's cute. I think yeah. that'd be really cute. But the yeah. first bracelet is going to look janky because there's only <laughs> one little trinket on it. <laughs> it's like, oh, is that it? Um, but I think that'd be really cool. So I'm, I've been thinking about that too. Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah. yeah. How about for you, Jay? For this one, um, I thought about how uh, when I was younger – my uh, mom used to make it a really big point for my sister and I to go to the library a lot and read a lot of children's books. And I think it's because mm-hmm. she knew, like, you know, English is not really our first language. So she really, like, tried to push us to kind of, like, develop that. Um, and she also then bought us a lot of, like, children's books and stuff. And one that I will – that I always have a very fond memory of and I'd like to pass down to my kids is If You Give a Mouse a Cookie – I don't know if either of you remember that book, mm-hmm. but it's it's a yeah. So it's a story about if you give a master cookie, and that one is significant for me also because it was the first book that really taught me about the components of a story. So when I was in grade school, we had an assignment in class, and I don't remember what grade this was, um, but we were pretty young, and everyone was supposed to write a story. And uh, during parent-teacher night, my my teacher had actually commented to my mom that, like, oh, like, I did a really good job on the story because I got down, like, characters. I had a beginning. I had a problem. And then I had some activity happening. And then I had a solution. And she's and I guess most of the other kids, like, at that age, you're not thinking about that. When I wrote that story, I was heavily inspired, if not probably just, like, copying because, you know, you're a kid and you normally know. Yeah. But that the story, if you give a mouse a cookie. So always in my mind, I was like, oh, okay. That book, because I loved it so much, like, I was actually learning, mm. you know, beyond just, like, kind of enjoying the book itself. Um, so I, I would love to pass that down to my kids. These are all great. I love the idea of passing down a book, Janet. I think it's really sweet. <laughs> pass it down to my kid, too. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for this intimate episode where we share the people, places, and things that have impacted our lives. This episode really brought back certain memories that hold a special place in our hearts and helped us come to a deeper understanding of our current selves. 
you know, we encourage you all to also think about the people, places, and things that have played a significant role in your life. So maybe this can serve as a conversation starter throughout your holiday gatherings. You can find us on all the podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a rating and review at Asian Boss Girl. And if you'd like to support us through monthly donations, you can do so at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support. We're also very active on social. Our handle is at asianbossgirl. If you enjoyed today's episode, screen cap the podcast, tag us, um, and we may reshare you on our IG story. You can also check out our latest collection of merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. We do have a couple shout-outs for this Thanksgiving episode. To CSIM from Danielle, congrats on passing your qualification exam and becoming a doctoral candidate. Hashtag badass bitch. To myself, my siblings, friends, loved ones, and the entire ABG crew from Andrea for being myself through both the tough and fun times. All my loved ones for helping me throughout life and the ABG crew for making this shout-out and their awesome company podcast happen. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Andrea. To Linda from Zeta from Toronto, shout out to the best roommate and the best cook. Thanks for being such good company and for making this semester a bit more bearable. Love ya. And if you'd like to give a shout out to a friend to wish them a happy birthday, congratulate them on a new job, or just to say you're thinking of them, email us at shoutouts with an S at asianbossgirl.com. And we'll give them a shout out at the end of one of our episodes. And thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. Catch us on the next episode. Bye. Bye.